Hey guys, I'm Richard Fitzgerald. This is Dubai Works, where we interview the business leaders making a difference in this great city. That business with scalability was very interesting to me. I like building something that has legacy. What I love about interviewing all these different founders and business owners is that uh, business can be so diverse. Anything really that someone puts a passion into and creates value uh, can be commercialized uh, and can be really interesting. And you know, I wouldn't have thought that uh, a toy collectible store at the moment was an exciting space to be. But I think from listening to this interview, uh, you will be left with a different perspective at the end of it. And it opened my eyes into anime. It gave me things that I didn't know about. The guys told me that I should be watching, uh, getting into something called Demon's Lair, which I've made a note to do. Uh, and you know, it made us maybe understand as well the relationship between collectibles and IP and bigger groups like Disney and Netflix and how it's working for them as well and how popular anime is in the Middle East. Uh, so enjoy the interview. Welcome back to another episode of Dubai Works Business Podcast, episode 161. And this week we're joined by Hassan Tamimi. He is the MD of The Little Things. They are a kid's toy store that debuted uh, their first store in Dubai's iconic Dubai Mall. Uh, What they do is that they sell a variety of low-tech, nostalgia-themed toys, um, already getting ideas of what, what cool toys they have. Since then, uh, since they started in Dubai Mall, the company has expanded its toy lines, toy lines and signed distribution deals with major corporations. So today we're going to talk about a little things, how the idea came about, uh, the toys industry in general, uh, the retail market around toys and uh, little things plans for the future. Good morning, Hassan. Good morning. Thank you for having me. And likewise, thanks for coming into our studios. Good to meet. Yes, yes, absolutely. So tell me, are you a toy fan? <laughs> I am. So... Right from the start of the business, I wasn't. Uh, our, our main business is kitchenware and we're located, I mean, we are a manufacturer, distributor and wholesaler of kitchenware. That's the mother, that's a family business and that's the bread and butter, I would say. Yeah. Um, in 2013, we got an opportunity to expand into uh, a different category, which was toys and novelties and collectibles. And uh, that picked up amazingly um we were the first in the market actually to start off with the collectibles we were lucky to have a shop in dubai mall that that kicked off uh, with that range and uh here we are a few years later with uh, five different outlets and we're in distribution as well wow well done five different outlets already so um i was going to go straight into toys but it's just interesting backstory so the family business is kitchen manufacturing when did that set up and how long ago so that was since 1982 in dubai Um, Yes, so okay. we started in the Aras market, the Dara market. Yeah. Um, we expanded from the Dara, uh, we established our own brand in the year 2000, and then from there we were growing. So it was uh, buying It's the family name brand? So the family company is called Altanan, so okay. that's the mother company. Um, yeah. And then from there we now have six different entities under uh, the main company. Okay, amazing. That's fascinating. So 
what exactly did you do? All kitchenware? Yes. So okay. it's household appliances. So it starts from cookware, cutlery, pots, pans, okay. uh, microwaves, ovens, vacuums, everything that yeah, a house would require pretty oh, much. Oh, wow. Okay. And the manufacturing was done in the UAE? No. So the manufacturing is done in China, Korea, the Turkey, and uh, Germany as well. Okay. Four different places. Yep. And and that that's how the business grew up until... Where we got into that, yeah. yeah. So we started, um, uh, so the brand actually started in 2000. Um, from 2000 to 2013, we we're heavily focused on the brand. Yeah. I wasn't involved in the business as much as that time. Yeah. Um, in 2010, roughly, I started becoming more involved in the business. And in 2013, I got the opportunity to start my own retail and, and venture into that world. Amazing. And what, what of the six categories that you're in, what are the other ones? So we have a ladies saloon, a coffee shop, a kitchenware retail store. Mm. and uh, little things and this the, the distribution of the collectibles and okay. toys as well okay and okay i see how you've done that so you look after two of those the store and the distribution absolutely so, so i do the six. retail side and the distribution of the toys and collectibles okay and what did you, what's your background what did you study so i actually went to high school finished off my high school and then i took a leap year that's when i got into business and then continued my education online Oh, amazing! Yep. So, uh, so I'm I'm still not finished, but I'm still in the business management field, and I'm growing into that. And yeah, finishing that exactly. Off but you started in this business in 2010, but you started the retail part of in 2013. And how did you come up with the brand name, and what was the idea behind so it? So, Little Things was an opportunity given to us as already it was a store that so the, the trade license for Little Things date, dates back to 1977, so it's been ancient. Yeah, um, it's one of the first few trade licenses in Dubai, I believe it's the hundredth or it's in that range. So when I took over, the, the brand was all about collectibles, but household collectibles. So it was like the antiques and stuff like that. I took it from collectibles and household and turned it into collectibles of statues and uh, cartoon characters and stuff like that. Yeah. So animation. So collectibles, so more, more uh, as in not really for kids, more for collectors. Absolutely. Everything that a collector might get. So like brooches, watches, uh, ornaments, statues. Exactly like what that. we were. So, any movie that would come out, any anime that would come out, we would pretty much have the collectible for it in our store. Okay, okay, amazing. And uh, what, were you in Dubai Mall at that time? Was the store there? So, the store that we, so it actually started in Burjaman, um, from Burjaman and got shifted to Dubai Mall. And when it went into Dubai Mall, that's when I took uh, possession of the whole company. Um, and then from there, we started with toys, added the collectibles a few months later, and then it just grew from there. Okay. And so, now, do you take your, the skills that the company has in terms of manufacturing abroad, importing, and all that stock management and sales? Is that what you do with this? Do you make your own toys now? Uh, so right now we are in the manufacturing distribution. We recently launched a brand uh, earlier this year. It's called Riven Roll. Um, it Riven Roll. So it's it, yeah. Riven Roll. It's an animation, okay. a French animation uh, by Alpha. Um, so we broadcast the, uh, the, 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 the show is being broadcasted on Spacetune. Yeah. And then from Spacetune, we take the rights to distribute and uh, produce products out of it. Okay. So we have products in the market currently that's from Rivenroll, and we have many more brands that are coming up very soon. Okay. Cause some of those, uh, to get those rights to distribute those products and to make, to make, uh, toys on the back of 
content IP can be expensive. Absolutely, licensing, yeah. royalties, etc. But at the end of the day, they have a great animation, they have a great uh, show that they're putting behind it. The investment, the marketing that's put behind it is there. So of course, royalties will will need to pay for that. Uh, yeah. So of course, we believe in that value. Um, it's very important to look at licensed product. It's very important to grow the market and uh, grow the knowledge of the product uh, of the of the licensing uh, requirement. Because there's a lot of companies that are making fakes that are trying to compete, but again, there's no royalties. The the master IP holder doesn't get any royalties out of it, and okay. it's it's very hard for them to continue growing a brand if they don't get the support. Okay, the so all the products you sell, you're not making fakes. You're obviously hundred percent. Yeah. So everything we do sell is hundred percent legit. Um, we are the official distributors for many of the brands. Um, some we locally source, and some we internationally source as well. Okay, and how does that work? Like. Do you have to pay up front with this French company uh, or do you pay the royalties later? So there's two modules. You pay the upfront fee and then you get the license to produce. Or there is the other module where you pay on um, production. So based on the production or based on the sales, you'd pay them a, a certain percentage. Okay. And do you have it exclusively for this one? So we do. Exclu- so whenever we take a brand, we take it exclusively for the Middle East. Um, some brands are not exclusive, but most of them that we do have, I would say 90% of them are exclusive. Okay. And like some of the kind of well-known content IPs like Disney, Warner Brothers, things like that, uh, is it possible to be uh, to sell their their Absolutely. Brands. So we sell their brands. We're also in talks with them uh, on licensing. Uh, so we do both at the same time. Uh, for sure, all the brands we do carry as, as retail, but then when it comes to distribution and manufacturing, we do discuss. I mean, we have open discussions with much many of them to yeah. uh, start a line with them. And, and how, from their point of view, if they have a store here, would they also look to have extra sales through a partner like you as well? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's very important to grow uh, the market. The market is growing on a day-to-day basis. So uh, even if they have their own store, we still, like for example, Funko, they have their own stores. Their IP is a great IP. It's selling, they take IP, they take licensing from other IPs as well. Yeah. Um, it's a it's a great product, but at the same time, they have their own stores and we also do have it in our stores. So okay. uh, that's always going to be there. Okay, and like, you know, I'm thinking of, uh, we can talk about the industry, but I'm thinking of toy shops in general, like, you know, the conversation we just had, I might be thinking of, uh, you know, mini statues of characters from movies, but of course, uh, IP around content can be anything. It can be jigsaw puzzles, it can be a whole host of different things. It can be, uh, you know, little bikes, it can be loads of different things. So what do you decide to manufacture a cell? Is it based on demand? or So you- we, we focus on animation and TV. Um, if we don't see the TV value or the animation behind it, we don't really invest in those brands. Uh, we believe in anything that has uh, animation, that has the content behind it instead of just a generic brand that or, or a brand that's just trending. So we, we focus on play value, we focus on uh, TV value, and maybe we focus on having the whole experience behind animation. And the product range? Like, you know, do you make uh, lunch boxes with these? with this IP and like what sort of We range? focus on the uh, entry level toy range that's yeah. and then when it comes to other IP, other lines we let the IP owner take care of it I mean we don't focus on the the back to school line we don't focus on the hypermarket lines but we do focus on the specialty line Okay so the core line the core uh, the core product range I would say Yeah so the things that are most associated with the exactly. with the IP yeah okay interesting and like where, so how where does it go from there so what are your current product range like if I went into little things what would I see so I would say currently today we are 90% focused on collectibles Mm. and then we just started our toy range this year so um, we 
we are planning to do a 50-50 by the end of the year. I have, I have 50% focused on toys and 50% on the collectibles. Uh, uh, so we do see the the toy range growing. Uh, the collectors, are, the collectible range is our strongest point, um, and we do cover the full GCC in the Middle East and North Africa as well. Okay, let's talk a little bit about you know nostalgia is obviously uh, a great thing to bring on emotions and almost get people to buy things and things like that. People always relate to nostalgia. Um, how how do you see collectibles in this region? Do you think it's similar to every other region, or how are how is the Middle East and the Arab world uh, used to collectibles? So the Arab world actually has a very strong relation or have a very strong connection to the Japanese animation more than the American world. What, we, what we've seen, uh, 65% of our customers are Arab. Uh, 80% of them are male and their age group is between 20 to 35 uh, years old. So what we've seen is that the, the connection that they'd have to the an- Japanese animation and the Japanese uh, uh, manga side of things is very deep. And because the story it tells, um, we have Spacetoon that dubs all the animation into Arabic, which gives them that sense of understanding it easier uh, for some. Uh, then there's the English. I know a lot of Arabs that love to watch it in Japanese itself, and they love to read the subtitles, which which gives them the whole feeling of the Japanese uh, vibe as well. Yeah, and and we see the relationship between Japan and the, and the Middle East growing day by day. So we we even have a newly launched uh, Saudi man- uh, animation, which is very related, uh, very similar to the Japanese ones that was yeah. new, recently launched. So we see that that potentially growing. Uh, in the next few years, for sure. So, but that's still toys. So, collectibles. This you, is collectibles. This is collect. These yep. aren't toys. These aren't toys. These are so the what, collectibles. So, what are they? What would I buy? So, these are PVC figures. They would yeah. start at, I would say, one hundred seventy-nine dirhams, and they okay. go up to three thousand, four thousand in statues. Okay. Um. So, this is the pretty much the range. The customers are not kids, so we're saying twenty-year-olds up to 35, 40 year old This is the the age group of the customers that are buying okay. from us. Oh, so when you're talking about collectibles, you're still talking about those figurines, those statues Correct. type. Yes. things okay i got it yeah it's, it's fascinating isn't it that there was that sort of announcement recently about the anime partnership with saudi and different types of animations as well um is, is crunchyroll a streamer that yes it that, is that does anime does yes it? Okay. so they do it they they have their an authorized um, anime uh, broadcaster or a streamer there's space to go on their app there's yeah. a space Tune channel that runs it overnight uh, they have a channel that runs overnight uh, just for anime yeah um and day by day i mean netflix does it today youtube uh, you always get these third-party websites as well so it's it's all over the web so yeah uh, so, so it's fascinating so you know what typically was a comic has now really entered into the digital world so it's very much about uh, streaming and shows now and the comics I mean the manga books are still very popular we sell them in all our stores it's something that is growing on a day-to-day basis because again really? the relationship that's there between the the, the manga the, the reading of the book and watching the video is two different things for sure yeah definitely and so as, as well as um, you know watching the shows and collecting the items are there other fan communities? Are there places where people chat online about anime that they like? So there's a number of Facebook groups um, that are in the Middle East and Dubai specifically. Um, 
I would say that we have comic cons that always come up every year. Um, yeah. Sometimes two, three times a year as well. There was we one have, recently in Abu Dhabi. Yes, yeah. and we were a part of that one as well. Okay. Um, we have Anime Fest that's coming up in Saudi very soon. Okay. Uh, there's one I think this week in Qatar in Kuwait. Sorry. So all over the Middle East. I mean, there's constant uh, events that are happening that that engage the customers in understanding the product. And okay. And do you sell in those markets as well? Absolutely. So we are all over the GCC, all over the Middle East and Northern Africa as well. So we cover. How do you sell? Do you, do you have brick store on the ground? Do you have distribution partners? Distribution. So retail stores, we only focus on the UAE. We are expanding by franchising the, the, the brand all over the GCC. However, when it comes to the product, we make sure that we are distributing it to these other regions. And, and so do you ha- where do you have partners at the moment? And are there any recent ones? So we have partners all over the GCC. I mean, uh, Kuwait, Saudi, Bahrain, uh, Qatar, Oman, uh, Tunisia, Morocco, okay. uh, and the list goes on and on. North Africa as well. Yeah. Uh, in Egypt? Or yes, in yes, we are in Egypt as well. And you just did, uh, you you just mentioned off air before that you were in Doha this week and you signed yep. a partner. So I just came back from Doha. We did sign a, a partnership with them for a franchise deal. Um, so hopefully, hopefully we'll have it ready before FIFA. Okay, so franchise is different to distribution. They will take the store name and put it there. Correct. Okay. Yes. So we do. We take care of A to Z for them. It's pretty much the investment that they put into it, and we take care of ensuring that 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 succeeds in, in the region for them. Okay. Would you do you would you manage it on the ground? Would you have Would you employ someone? Or? We don't. We we give them the full training and support from our side, and okay. then they will manage the operations. Okay. So like a normal franchise, yes. and is that a model that you think you will do more of? Yes, absolutely. Nice. Absolutely. We yeah. we we need to grow that. I mean. Uh, we, that's how we believe we're going to grow the market. Will you have any football-related uh, collectibles? We actually do, but it's Japanese football. Okay. So it's the animation side of football. Yeah. Um, and we also have basketball, tennis. Uh, we have a number of animated uh, series that are in collectibles and, and figures as well. Do you see the World Cup, the FIFA World Cup, as uh, you have to be there before it? Or do you see... See it as it'll be nice to be there, just to be present when the football is there, and then this is a long-term play. I would say it's nice to be there, just to have because the, the number of visitors, visitors that they're expecting is great. Um, it's good to be there now, and of course, I see it on a long time, uh, long term, as something that that for sure will grow. Okay, if you were, you know, we almost forget about starting a, a collectibles or a toy shop. Um, you know, because things have moved on so much. Plus, we've got, I've gotten older and we forget about kind of toy shops. So remember toy shops as being exciting, like, like factories that you go into and you get really excited about them as a kid. Um, how has that industry evolved over the years? Like, you know, we've all heard of Toys R Us, the, the struggles that they've had, but of course, you know, I, I assume the category has grown. I assume that there's more and more toys being made and the total, uh, the total market for toys and collectibles around the world is, is growing. Absolutely. How has the industry evolved? So it, it, we've seen huge growth. I mean, with COVID coming in, a lot of people staying home, this has been a huge growth. Um, I guess the target market became a little smaller because we've had the online seg- segment that came up and people moving towards e-gaming and gaming in general. Um, but what we've seen in the toy world is um, animations that are on YouTube, that are streaming on, on third-party websites that, that are picking up more than anything. Mm. Um, recently, I mean, influencer marketing is something that's moving fantastically. Uh, there's new shows like Love Diana, Coco Melon, Nastia, etc. These are just YouTube focused, okay. and and they're I mean they're the number one trending toys currently. So really, YouTube shows 
turn into collectibles. Yep. Uh, yep. So they actually turn into dolls, collectibles, toys, etc. And then okay. the whole uh, line grows from there. Like Coco Melon, for example, it's yeah. it's a YouTube show. Yeah. Um, it's the number one trending today in preschool line as a preschool line. Yeah. Uh, and and it's a YouTube show. So so just took those classic songs that we grew up with and then turned them into an animated uh, show. And okay. Wow. It's trending. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. That do, that is the industry evolving. And do you have a digital presence? Do you sell online? So we are going into NFTs very soon. Hopefully by the end of this uh, Ramadan season, we'll be into the NFT side of things. Um, we do have our website, our e-commerce website that's operating. We are in digital currencies, so we do take care of, to some level, the digital world. But of course, we're not, we're not, we're, Metaverse, I think, would be the next, uh, yeah. next stage for us. What's um, sort of, uh, and of your sales, how much of that is done online? I would say it's a forty percent online sales currently. Okay, so 40, 60. 40, 60, yes. Yeah, is that is that normal? Or you know, would you would you like that to be higher, or do you still think there's a lot to cater for with collectibles in in malls and stores? So I believe e-commerce is the future. Um, uh, retail is still there. I mean, I don't see it dying off anytime soon, but the reach that an e-commerce platform can have to a customer all over the world. I mean, the target that you can have is unlimited and mm. it's just about doing it right that can grow it. So we've we've seen that for sure. Okay. And is that part of the parent company? Do you have uh, an e-commerce strategy that you have the same websites and the same logistics and fulfillment or do you do it separate based on where the manufacturing comes from? So each entity does operate separately, but we use the same principles across all. Um, we have a full fulfillment center. We are uh, very much, I mean, we are partners with Amazon, Noon, uh, Carrefour, and the rest of the uh, pl online platforms. So we are an automatic fulfillment center for them, and we take care of everything in-house. Okay, so you will, you can sell on marketplaces as well? Yes. So, okay, online. Yes. And we okay. see marketplaces as the future as well. So yeah. for sure, we, we've seen very uh, amazing growth on, on third-party websites as well. Okay, so you don't necessarily need everyone to come to a little thing's website that you're happy to distribute where their people are. Yep, absolutely. So out of that 40% or let's say 100% of the e-commerce sales, 50% uh, of it is international sales and then 50% is domestic. So okay. we, we do have a, a good and, um, uh, online presence with, with the international community. As the UAE kind of economy matures and as people start to do different things here on, on investment and you know, how to make manufacturing for different categories. Is that something that you think would be possible in the future that you would manufacture locally? So what we did, uh, manufacturing locally would be uh, something that would be a little tough uh, because of what is required for the uh, for the figure exactly. But when we look at Can like... Can you explain that a little bit? So manufacturing locally because of the the materials, the, the materials that's required for it, the, the way that we want to do it. I mean, the, the MOQs that we want to manufacture as well. What does MOQ mean? So a minimum order quantity. Yeah, it's that that makes it a bit hard and tricky due to licensing and stuff and and re related issues. But then we see the future of distribution of trade through through the UAE being something that can really grow uh, for us as, as a business. Okay, interesting. Um, fair and enough. just so you were, you were mentioning about investments, I mean that's something that has been something of, of a value for us from the start of the day of when we started our business. Um, a simple example is we released the first collectible that was a license uh, grandizer. Uh, so it was a recolor of the original version of Chumi Art. Uh, we sold out in 42 hours um, and we did 100 pieces limited edition to the Middle East worldwide. Oh, wow. So that, I mean, as an investment, you can see how something that was sold out in 42 hours, of course, goes into the black market and you see the increase of price that uh, right now it stands at, I think, 
It's amazing, isn't it? And, you know, collectibles, like we see the craze over watches at the moment, but collectibles in general, irrespective of where it's going with metaverse and NFTs, there's just such a big uh, interest in them. And there's some digital websites in the US that just do these, these drops for products like anime products or, you know, art pieces that are huge in demand. Uh, is that what you see as well here? So that's the exact same thing. But I mean, when we look at NFTs, it's the exact same thing when we look at collectibles. Yeah. Um, limited pieces worldwide, um, the demand is there. It's an art piece, so it's the same. I mean, the resale value is always going to be there. Of course, NFTs just makes everything easier because there's no shipping involved. It's just buying and selling quickly. But then when it comes to collectibles, you actually have that thing in your office so, yeah. or you have it in your house. So it's something that really has a, a very strong value to you. Yeah. And, and do you think that there's more opportunity for new companies, new types of collectible marketplaces to emerge? Like, I can't think of the name of the site in the US, but they... It's it's like all um, all really high end art collectibles uh, like Jeff Koons type objects, mm-hmm. and then they they do live streaming and they do a drop. Do you know which one I'm talking about? Um, and super super in demand. Like the, a lot of people just go in and they need to get it, but they create. It's only the app isn't available in this region. It's only in the US. But uh, you know, imagine like something like that for here as well, where people are just collecting things. Uh, as they drop as well. 100%. I mean, we've seen trends come from the US, come from Europe, come from all around the world. And, and yeah. of course, I think we can adapt and even enhance it and make it better. Yeah. And what do you do around your brands? Like, how do you, from 2013, how are you getting known uh, for little things across the region? So, pretty much it's Comic Cons. I think those are the best yeah. places for brand awareness. Um, we don't do so much marketing, but we make sure that, I mean, people know if they are a collector, they know where we are. We are located in Prime Malls, so we are in Mercato Mall, Dubai Mall, Mall of the Emirates and Blue Waters, so we are in the prime locations in Dubai. Yeah. Um, so it's easy for people to find us, I would okay. say. Okay, that's a lot of places. Um, so what, what sort of, like, revenue-wise, like, uh, how, how did you get through the pandemic? Has the business been growing? Um, and how is the market right now? So, of course, like everyone else, during the pandemic, it was the first few days, I would say, was was the most stressful because you had to re- redo everything you had planned and, and re-strategize the whole game. Um, we were lucky. We had an e-commerce website that was working already. We just had to enhance it and put all the energy there. Thank God it didn't affect us that much with the pandemic. Uh, we actually saw an increase after after the, the release of the lockdown and all that. Yeah. Um, and we, we saw an increase of sales, and that was a fantastic moment for us. I mean, we we strategized online, changing the whole business from retail brick and mortar to uh, e-commerce. It was a bit tricky in the first few days, but then we got, got we got it. yeah we yeah. got used to it. Yeah, exactly. And so, has the business in 2021 was that a bigger year than 2019? 100. Uh, 100. Um, so we so between 2019 and 2020, uh, we did a double. I would say hmm. 2020 to 2021 was a great year for us, and then 2021 just. Blasted, blasted all the doors open. Okay, so it was fantastic. And have you been so? You know, have you been profitable since 2013, or is it was it like the early years getting things? Of going? course, as for any business, you always have your ups and downs. We did a lot of trial and error. Um, yeah. So yes, we had profitable years. We had not profitable years, but uh, where we are right now, I mean, we're in a very healthy place. Is it a good business to be in? I would say yes. Um, is it competitive? It is. It's a very niche business, but at the same time, it's all about providing the right service because there's emotions involved. So it's to make sure the customer is always happy, to make sure that, 
you know, you have the right product at the right time. These are all critical things to ensure yeah. that the business can succeed. Yeah. It does sound quite niche, but it also sounds quite a committed uh, community of people who know about all the products and all about all the anime shows and everything. True. Yeah. Exactly 100%. I would yeah. Say. It's a good space to be in. Um, what about, like, uh, you mentioned the, the Cocomelon, and what about Netflix and you know, Netflix often talk about the IP that they're creating around, say, Stranger Things or things like that. Is that something you have your eye on of these type of shows as well? So everything pretty much that goes on Netflix eventually comes to, like, for example, when we had Money Heist and yeah. we had, so we get the anime characters. I mean, so we get the figurines and the collectibles from it. Um, it all follows out. So anything that trends pretty much comes into retail. Or So we have Stranger Things, we have Money Heist, we have uh, Squid Game. So it just... Grows and grows out. So, so they, so they are all, they are already making money through partners like you. Yes, their IP is already yes. getting there. Yes, so it's good business for them because that's something that kind of Disney do a lot of, isn't it? Like they really um, manage their asset IP a lot. Are they harder to deal with than other brands? I mean, everyone has their level of difficulty, but it's always, uh, I mean, it's always manageable. It's all, there's always ways around things. So. Yeah, and what about things like? You know, um, say Warner Brothers, say the recent Batman movie, would you have a different collectible on that? So we don't focus so much on the American side or the Western side of things. Yeah. We more focus on the Japanese side. Okay. Um, but we do, so we did a release at the Comic Con for uh, Batman. Um, we do in-store branding. So we are, I mean, we, we constantly keep in touch with the, with the whole team. Okay, cool. And what, what do you think um, are the content type trends in this part of the world in Arab storytelling and things like that? So for us right now, the number one is Pokemon because it, it, it takes both uh, target customers um, and then followed by the animation. So Demon Slayer, Naruto, One Piece, Dragon Balls, and that just goes on and on. Okay, I'll pretend I know what they are. <laughs> but it's definitely opened my uh, eyes to this type of sector as well because it's just interesting, isn't it? Um, what Would you say that, would you have a number of how many people are into this stuff in the region? I would, I believe the last study that we had was around 300,000 in the, the whole bad. region. Yeah. So yeah. that's what we had. And what's your market share? <laughs> it's, it's very hard to put a number to it because, I mean, there are events, for example, that we do get a market share, but then we don't actually know the re repetition, yeah. but I would say maybe around uh, 20, 30%. Okay. Would there be a bigger, are you the, one of the bigger players then? There's a, there's a few players in the market, but yeah. I would say we're one of the, the top five. Okay, brilliant. And what about, um, are people collecting these? Are they flipping these? Are they taking them to auctions? Are they, are they looking at the price of these things? Is it like, you know, uh, ca cards in the US or whatever? Are they looking at these things and seeing mine's worth this? And then flipping it. This constantly happens. It <laughs> happens on a day-to-day -day basis. So, for example, we released a Funko called Shanks. Um, it's from One Piece. Uh, so how Funko works is after, on some lines, what they do is after, out of every six pieces, one of them would be a chase. And this chase is like a, just a small difference or a major difference in, in the figure. Mm -hmm. um, so that's given at random. It's, it's sold at the same price from our side. Um, so we had the Shanks exclusive uh, while we were selling it. We're not sold out yet, and uh, people were selling it at $300, $400 when the retail price is 85 dirhams. Okay, so you can no see that, I mean, just in a, in a matter of a few hours. Okay. Do you want to get involved in that? Like, do you <laughs> We don't as retailers, uh, yeah. just to have 
the name grow. Um, we don't believe in it. So we, we believe in maintaining retail prices and focusing on, on the suggested retail price. Okay. Are they selling these everywhere online? Yep. So you have eBay, you have a number of websites I mean, that sell it. But then there's eBay. We have some on Dobizel that I see in Dubai locally. Um, and there's Facebook groups that people post and it's yeah. always there. Yeah. And are there any sort of physical world auctions or any events around this? Like, does Comic-Con have some buying and selling? So in the Middle East, we don't have that yet, but in the future, you never know. Yeah. Um, but I believe in the US, they do have something like that. And in Japan, they have that as well. Yeah, interesting. And so from your perspective in, in general, is this a good region to be in? Do you see this as kind of an emerging market? 100%. I mean, we picked the UAE because uh, the UAE made life easier for everyone. Um, we, we, I mean, my father started, my, it started from my grandfather, uh, many years, 40 years ago. So mm. just that, I mean, the journey that they've had uh, from the UAE being just the Dara market to where we are currently, it, it's incredible. It's an incredible journey. Yeah. Yeah. Specifically the UAE, the economy, you know, the stats over 40 years are comparable with anywhere in terms of growth. Um, and that, you know, like it looks like it's continuing now as well. It's quite an exciting decade to be here as well. But do you see that across the region? Do you think... Uh, are you happy to be focusing on the countries that you said you're in or would you think um, that that mightn't be enough that you want to have international trade that you want to be in other markets as well we're pretty much happy uh, with yeah. the Middle East uh, and uh, Northern Africa I think that's where we we specialize expanding more I mean putting your hands in a lot of buckets doesn't really help you so yeah. focusing where we are and growing it I think is what we want to focus okay. on first. and if you do a franchise in Doha for example or a franchise in other markets uh, would that just be for the offline sales? Would you still be able to do the online sales in those countries? So we're currently doing online sales on, I mean, over the GCC as a whole. So it's going to be offline brick and mortar only. Yeah. Um, but then when it comes to the online side, we do take care of that uh, in-house. But we can potentially look at fulfilling uh, from those countries instead of shipping it out of the UAE. Yeah, I mean, if I, if you were setting up an uh, offline only company at the moment, it might mightn't be that uh, compelling. Um, so we uh, just visiting Doha. We I, I still feel that the brick and mortar concept is something that's evolving. It's something that's still growing there. Yeah. It's not. It's not even on the on the decrease side of of, of the trends. Mm. Um, so I I think that it's it's actually gonna do very well. I believe in it very much. Okay, brilliant. And so what what's the what's the pipeline over the next year or two on like if you're focusing on different ranges and different things that you, you mentioned you were going to grow the toy sector as well is that an effort that you're so we have the distribution side that we're growing 50% to take over 50% of the business in toys um, we have three more stores opening hopefully within the year uh, in Dubai in the, in the UAE from our side and uh, expanding the franchising will be the, the goals that we have for this okay. year and the digital part. So there's a lot going on. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> what size is your team? So we are currently 106 people. From that's team. a lot of people across the six stores as well as operations. Yes. And, and that's just on their little things. It's not shared. Yes. Uh, yes. Are there any great. functions that you share across the group? So, I mean, we, we hold our own events uh, just to bring everyone together under one roof. This we do two, three times a year. Um, so we have some departments that are interlocked, uh, more of the management level departments, and that's pretty much, I mean, we, we always work together. I mean, one group, one goal. Yeah, so. exactly. And are there any other categories that the group is getting into or where where is the group focusing its efforts on at the moment? Right now, it's pretty much continuing the growth of the kitchenware and growing the toys uh, section and the distribution. Yeah. as Is it 
are you happy with what you've done over nearly a decade is the toy sector getting more of a obviously the the there's a bigger market for kitchens so it's hard to sort of uh you know have a bigger kind of market share but there might be more margins in the toys is there uh i would say it's Same. similar in a way yeah. um but yes on a day-to-day basis we try to see how we can push forward and achieve better outcomes in the toy industry for sure yeah okay cool and so has any other things in the pandemic affected uh your margins like uh logistics shipping uh interest rates things like that so when it comes to logistics, I, I believe everyone has this problem. So we had a time where a container would cost twelve thousand dollars, twelve thousand dollars, sorry, from the U.S. from from uh, America, from sorry, from China to Dubai. Okay. Um, now the prices are a little more stable, but still not back to what we initially were before the pandemic. So which was? I mean, we were getting a container back then at four hundred dollars, four hundred fifty dollars. So you can see, I up mean, to 12, up to twelve thousand. So wow. the, the numbers did completely go up and down and uh, we tried to absorb as much as we can but there was a time that we had to increase prices which was not the best thing we did but I mean what needs to happen needs to happen yeah Yeah. exactly like there's no way you can absorb all that and that was just to do with scarcity really it was just to do with the amount of demand on on containers yes okay and now i mean things are a little more stable but we're still not back to where we were before the pandemic did you have a shortage of products so we had shortages of containers so we couldn't ship these i mean products because of containers shortages in in uh, asian countries yeah um we had that problem we started using air shipping which was a little more pricey but it got the product in um, Product-wise, I mean, we until today we do have shortages because of production. So China has went recently back on their lockdown for a few days, and that just doesn't make anything easier with production. Wow. So do these things not make you think that it would be good if you control production? Even if we did control the production, it's I mean the issues that we've had in China is because of lockdown. So we would also have the same problem. Uh, and we do control production when it comes to kitchenware, and the yeah. problem existed there as well. So okay, yeah, so you do manufacture some of the kitchen yes. items in the UAE? No, we don't manufacture in the UAE. We, we use the UAE as a as a hub for our transiting and uh, trading. And where do you manufacture? As uh, for the kitchenware? Yeah. So it's China, Korea, Turkey, Taiwan, and Germany. You would have your own factories there, or it's partners? so in China, yes, but then in other, we would partner up with others. Okay, interesting. Okay, cool. Um, and so, yeah, I, again, what's the sort of um, you know, there's a random broad question, but there's a lot of um, change in how uh, companies are operating in the region. There's a lot of uh, private owned companies going public, there's a lot of excitement over big listings in the market. Are there any plans for the group to? Uh, change how the business is structured or to do a type of an exit or type of a, a, a sale or something like that? Not at this stage, I would say. No, it's always going to remain private and reinvest in what you're doing. True. Okay, yes. fine. And you wouldn't tell me who you were going to. <laughs> but no, but no, I understand. It's just, an, isn't it an interesting business dynamic at the moment? There's a lot of activity around startups. There's a lot of activity around investments in the region it is it is but as i said i mean we work so hard on getting it to where we are today so i think i we would push for it to grow uh, with what we have instead of selling it or going public with it fair enough uh cool and you know saudi arabia obviously is uh going through a lot of change there's a lot of excitement over events there um they've had 
I think they've had a Comic Con already there. They had a Riyadh Toy Festival, okay, which was a huge, fantastic event. Uh, it was Were done by Spacetune. I I visited myself, but I wasn't as a company. We weren't present for it because it was more of a toy fair and was very selective on the brands that they carried. Um, but it was good. You it you was fantastic. It. Really? Yeah. I mean, they had a very good turnout of people. The sales were fantastic. In the, in the, it was a three day event. When was it? Um, when was it? I forgot. It was I would three, three four months ago. Okay. So yeah. Uh, I mean, I was surprised with how much Saudi opened up uh, compared to my last visit to Saudi. Uh, things are just back. I mean, I felt like I was in Dubai when I went to Saudi because of what what they've done. I mean, yeah. The restrictions are way less. Things are more open. So we the turnout of people were just fantastic. Amazing. And you know, it is a market that loves gaming. It loves content. It loves things like that as well. So. You think it's a huge opportunity there? It's one of our strongest markets. Yeah. Saudi is currently one of our strongest markets, and we, we see huge potential in it. Yeah, amazing. Um, and would you, if you had a franchise there, would you, how would you approach that? It would probably need to be a big retail group. So we're in talks. Um, yeah. I hope it goes through, but uh, again, the opportunities are endless, so uh, we yeah. might even go there ourselves one day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's interesting. I was just in Jeddah, and it's just fascinating like the malls are full but there's just lots of culture there's lots of creativity happening as well um, and there's huge interest uh, to make new content in Saudi as well um, cool uh, so I, I think we'll leave it there if there's an um, it just it's interesting to hear about little things uh, and yeah just one kind of other question how young do you see people coming in are there kids kind of trying to get involved I know when I was 10 or 12 I was super interested into WWE and I liked characters and things like that. So is it more about a, a niche collector or are there young people trying to look for items as well? We have all ages, I would say. Yeah. Um, we start off with, uh, I would say, preschool line as well. So we yeah. have the preschool line and then we have people that are 60, 65 year olds that are buying from us. So okay. <laughs> uh, the, the customer, target customer is, is all over, but I would say the majority is between the age of 25 and 30. Brilliant. Thank well, thanks for sharing your story, Hassan. Thank you very really much. Really interesting to hear this, this type of business. So thank thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I will follow you. little things in the future. Sounds good. Great. <laughs> Great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That was a great conversation. I learned a lot. I hope you did too. Thank you to Shahir for bringing Hassan in and our other producer who's behind the audio and the video side of production is Ali, who's also, as I've just learned, a big, a hardcore anime <laughs> fan who was even impressed Hassan when they spoke afterwards about all the different shows that he knew about. Uh, so that's a new thing for me to know and to listen to watch in the future. Uh, and if you want to watch any more of these shows, please do subscribe on smashy.tv. Or if you're listening on the podcast, please do leave a comment and recommend anyone or any sector that you'd like us to delve into in the future. Uh, we'll be back again next week, 11 o'clock on Friday and shared on social platforms as well. Thanks for listening.